Hi everybody, it's James Rudd. Many thanks for listening to the Heart Podcast today. I'm joined by Nadine Hausler, who is an epidemiologist from Lausanne in Switzerland, and we have a great discussion all about a paper on the association of napping with incident cardiovascular events in a prospective cohort study. The paper is now free on the Heart website for download, as will be the accompanying editorial, and I hope you enjoy the discussion that we have. Thanks very much for listening. But perhaps we uh, perhaps we can start off by asking you to introduce yourself for the heart audience. Of course. Um, I'm Nadine Hausler. I work as an epidemiologist at the University Hospital in Lausanne. And uh, in our group, we're interested in studying cardiovascular disease and in particular we have some sub-studies and in the hypnoloss study we're focusing on sleep and the relation with cardiovascular disease. Okay and perhaps you can give us some background Nadine to the study you published recently in Heart all about napping and cardiovascular disease. What uh, motivated you to to have a look at this area? So Napping is very prevalent worldwide, and there's a book of literature about this, and it's hotly contested whether napping is beneficial or detrimental for cardiovascular disease. And um, the results of the studies investigating this association um, are very controversial, with some studies reporting beneficial effects and the other one reporting adverse effects and also studies that did not find any associations. And interestingly, most of these studies uh, compare nappers to non-nappers, or they focus on the nap duration in relation to cardiovascular events, but mostly they uh, neglect to um, take the aspect of the frequency of napping into account. So, Okay, so that was what motivated your study then to try and fill that gap in the literature, right? Exactly. And I'm. we were really lucky that um, this year we just had the complete adjudication of the cardiovascular events up until the second follow-up. So obviously this offered us the opportunity to study this. And let's talk a little bit more Anne, about the, the population of people that you studied. Can you tell me a bit about that? Sure. Um, the cohort of Lausanne is a representative uh, population-based study of middle-aged adults. And we started recruiting this cohort in 2003 up to 2006. And we do, um, every five years, we have follow-ups. So currently, the third follow-up is going on. And um, for this study... We actually used data from the first follow-up all the way up to the second follow-up. And so how many patients did you include in your study? And uh, can you give me a little bit about the demographic of those people? I think the, the persons we looked at was, were about 40 to 80 years old. Okay. And I think they were just over 3,500, right? Exactly. Okay, and so they and these were people without cardiovascular disease at the time of enrollment. Yes, we excluded everybody who had already some kind of cardiovascular disease. Okay, and so what kind of study did you do? 
we did an observational cohort study and we used longitudinal data for it. Okay, so you and you presumably asked them questions about napping or how did you ascertain the frequency and duration of napping? How, how did that work? So during the follow-ups, the patients uh, come to the outpatient clinic of the university hospital and they, they fill out a really extensive questionnaire. And within this questionnaire, we ask them about um, physical activities and that make up like the 24 hours. And napping was one of those activities that the subjects reported the duration of it and also the frequency of it during the previous week. So in the end, we had this information of the frequency and the napping duration okay. over the last week. Yeah. And then uh, just reading from your abstract here, the patients were or the, the subjects were then followed up for 5.3 years. Exactly. And what kind of events were you interested in uh, documenting in terms of outcome measures? So for this study, we didn't just focus on the fatal cardiovascular events, but also the non-fatal cardiovascular events. And they were adjudicated by a panel of independent experts in the hospital. And we included the non-fatal myocardial infarction, coronary artery disease, fatal and non-fatal strokes, and the, cardial, uh, the cardiac and the vascular deaths, of course. Okay. And uh, what kind of approach did you use statistically to try and answer your question as to whether napping was associated with the future cardiovascular events? We used uh, Cox regression to analyze the association between napping and cardiovascular events. We estimated first like a crude model and then another model in which we adjusted for the usual suspects, I call them, like age, sex, education, smoking, sedentary behavior, the BMI or so. Okay. And then in a fully adjusted model, we also adjusted for other cardiovascular risk factors such as diabetes, hypertension or dyslipidemia. Okay. And uh, just looking at the abstract here, it says you had 155 fatal and non-fatal events occurred out of a total population of 3,462. Exactly. And, and can you tell me the, the main findings the, in terms of the associations that you found? So we found that most of the cardiovascular events um, happened in the subjects that that reported to be napping very often, so six to seven times weekly, and the lowest percentage of subjects that developed an incident cardiovascular event were found in subjects that napped once to twice weekly. Okay. So in the crude model, we actually observed a J-curved relationship between napping and frequency, between napping frequency and cardiovascular events, sorry. Um, so subjects that reported napping just once or twice a week had a lower cardiovascular risk and subjects that napped um, very often had a higher cardio risk for cardiovascular events. But after taking uh, the confounders into consideration, um, we this increased risk for frequent nappers disappeared while the association between um, like rarely napping um, remains stable. So 
people that reported once or twice snapping per week had approximately half of the risk of developing a cardiovascular events compared to the subjects who do not take naps. Okay, so that's important, is it, that some of the risks seem to drop out in the adjusted model? Exactly. But, but nevertheless, napping once to twice a week seemed to be, I hate to use the word protective, but certainly was associated with a lower event rate. That hazard ratio of 0.52 with confidence intervals just short of 1, 0.28 exactly. to 0.95. Yeah. And were you surprised by the results, Nadine? Was this something you expected or uh, what did you no, make of it we when you ran the analysis? We were actually quite surprised and because we didn't just look at napping frequency, but we also looked at napping duration. And as most studies focused on napping duration before that, we were actually expecting to find some kind of association between nap duration and uh, cardiovascular events, which we did not. So, um, yeah, I, I think that was quite surprising to us, to all of us. But they once or twice a week seemed to be important. Yes. And we were discussing within our group um, what might be the possible mechanisms and we couldn't really come up with a straightforward explanation neither in the literature nor um, what we thought but um, we assume that stress plays a role in with it or modifi modifies this relationship a little bit can you go into that a bit more what, what do you mean do you mean people who are stressed are more likely to not sleep well at night and therefore need a nap or some no, other. we were we were thinking more that um, that w like an occasional nap can release or or is is beneficial for stress. So you, so you feel more rested after a nap, and then that lower stress level has a beneficial effect on your cardiovascular risk. Okay, I mean it's, it sounds plausible. I guess there's always a danger in an observational study. We really don't know the the mechanism, do we? But uh, Absolutely. And this is really um, why we think it is important that other studies focus on um, on replicating these findings and maybe also um, highlight or investigate po possible mechanisms. And I guess you could think about using things like activity monitors and, you know, not necessarily relying on questionnaires uh, in future studies. Exactly. We actually do have uh, ecological momentary assessment uh, data, which we also did a previous study about napping. But um, unfortunately, this data was collected during the second follow-up. And so we did not have the, uh, the, the third follow-up yet. So we couldn't have a look at this association. But this is something you think will be available in due course from, from your group? Well, once we have adjudicated all of the cardiovascular events, but this um, will take some more years, I'd say, yeah. Yeah, okay. And what do you see as the, as the main strengths and weaknesses of your study? Well, obviously the strengths are the population-based cohort design and that we were able to adjust for a large set of confounding variables including uh, polysomnography measured obstructive sleep apnea or excessive daytime sleepiness and another strength 
is I'd say that we didn't just measure NAPs on their pure occurrence or on their duration, but also took um, their frequency into account. However, as indicated before, um, this study is of observational nature and thus we cannot really confer um, causality as residual confounding is still is likely to be present. Um, moreover, NAPs were self-reported and the questions that was used within the questionnaire targeted for afternoon NAPs. So okay. morning NAPs and evening NAPs might be underestimated in our study. Okay. Uh, also, sorry, did you? No, I was, I was just agreeing with you. Yeah, I mean, you your questionnaire, as you say, focused on afternoon napping, but I guess morning napping may be perhaps more of a sign of, of ill health or poor sleep. I guess it's hard to say without the exact data, but. Exactly. It, it could be just a cause of uh, an underlying condition. And I think another limitation is um, that our study was carried out in a Swiss population and the generalizability to other countries in which napping might be much more frequent or less frequent is not given. Is Switzerland, forgive me for not knowing, but is Switzerland a culture that takes daytime naps in the way that you find, say, in the south of France or in Spain and Portugal? No, unfortunately not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this would be an unusual thing in, in, in that group of people. Yeah, well, I I think it's not as common as in Spain or in Greece, yeah. Okay, and just in terms of sort of final take-home, so it seems that there's some evidence that one to two naps per week might be protective. Uh, I use the word might, certainly you found that in your study. And did exactly. you, did you make any comment on the duration? Other studies I see have published that if a nap extends beyond half an hour, that may be a bad thing, but did you find any associations between nap duration and any of the outcomes? Not at all, no. Okay. And this was surprising to us, yeah. Okay, well, I guess we should maybe finish there but by saying uh, maybe one to two naps a week, but perhaps let's, should we try and keep them under 30 minutes just for consistency with previous studies? Maybe, yeah. However, I think it's um, the main take-home message I would say is that we should rather or, or try to find like a, a common ground on how to measure naps and this should not focus solely on, on the frequency of napping nor should it solely focus on the nap duration but maybe have a combination of the two of them and this could maybe explain or, or maybe the napping frequency cannot can explain like the different findings between nap duration and uh, cardiovascular risks. And so finally, what's uh, what's next? You've, you've hinted at some uh, further work that's going to be coming out of this cohort study. Is there anything you can share with us yet as to on the sort of timeline? Um, as indicated before, we're just at the third follow-up and we do have very interesting data on the econo uh, ecological momentary assessment. Um, we do have uh, another collection of polysomnography uh, data. So I think there's a lot of um, studies that are coming up, but um, we haven't really done a lot of work yet on it, but I'm sure... We're going to be very productive. 
Excellent. Well, it's uh, very good of you to share the data with the Heart audience, and the the paper is going to be free in Heart for uh, at least two weeks after publication of this podcast. And also, yep. I advise um, listeners to go and check out the editorial, which was uh, which was also written about the study, which goes into a significant amount of detail as well about previous studies and how the findings of this study fit in with what was already known about napping. Absolutely. I, I really like their editorial about it. Yeah, it really puts it into perspective for me as a, as a non-expert napper in terms of epidemiological yeah. uh, outcomes. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much indeed, Nadine, for joining me on the podcast today. It's been a great pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much, James. Thank you.